Mac Power Users, episode 179, Working with Calendars. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks along with Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie Floyd? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm fantastic. And this is the continuation of our last show. We were going to do the contacts and calendar show and we went long. So we decided we'll break it up into two. (laughs) Just a little long. It ended up being the contact show, but that's all right. We've gotten a lot of great feedback about the contact show thus far. And so hopefully we'll, we'll do the same about the calendar show. And, you know, funny story there, you, you emailed me just before the show and said, Hey, I think we have enough just to do a whole show about calendars. And I wrote back and I said, didn't you mean contacts? And I guess the answer was yes to both. I hope so. I guess we're going to start right now. Um, I, you know, calendars are near and dear to a lot of people because it seems to be uh, an important tool. I know I use them all the time. And so the goal for this show is to talk a little bit about underlying calendar technology, some of the better calendar apps and some of our own personal habits uh, that we use to manage calendars and just kind of put this technology stuff to work for us. So uh, without further ado, uh, we did enjoy the, the, uh, the big live show. Thanks, everybody. Yes, thank you. And you continue to send those shows and uh, those uh, clips in for the next live episode. Yeah, and the ne- when will the next one be, Katie Floyd? Uh, the next live episode is going to be the first Saturday in, um, I guess that is going to be... April 6th, I believe. April, yeah. First or April 5th. Is it April 5th? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to look in my calendar. There you go. That would be a good use for a calendar. <laughs> yes, Saturday, and- Saturday, April 5th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. All right. So, so while we're, we've got our calendars open, let, let's talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, traditionally when I, when I first started, you know, having a job and even back when I was in school, we were still largely on paper calendars and I don't know about you, but I, I had one of those Franklin Covey planners. I thought that was really great. I had so many of those and I never used them to their full potential. I had the, well, I had a Franklin Covey for a while, but I had the day runner or the day timer. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Not really. Franklin okay. was way better. Franklin Covey. So I, I used it for I used it for years. I had um, at one point I had a shelf in my house with you know a whole row of years. You know, because at the end of the year you get the box. You know, the fancy box and it's got the sticker. You put the year on it. You know, nineteen ninety two, whatever, and you. Uh, put all your pages in there and then you stick on the shelf and you never look at it again until at some point you realize you need that shelf space and you just throw them away. But uh, anyway, so I've always thought a lot about calendars and uh, calendars is one of those technologies that needs to sync or it's almost useless. So for a long time, uh, using the Macs and the PCs and really before these pocket devices were around, calendars always seemed kind of an an anomaly on computers because you could, you know, they had the, the calendars that existed in the calendar applications, but there was no way to really carry that data around with you easily. Uh, short of making really bad printouts and, you know, carrying these pages of printouts all around with you. So it really wasn't much of anything until syncing started to come along. And for the first several years, syncing uh, calendars was a really dicey proposition. And we talked about this in the contact show, how terrible it would be uh, when you opened it up to find double entries or entries just disappeared. But as bad yeah. as it was with contacts, it, it was, was worse. It was, 
Yeah, it was worse with calendars. So much worse. You had like so-and-so's birthday 20 times on your calendar. Or worse, the so-and-so's birthday disappeared or so-and-so's court appearance disappeared or, you know, it, it really was a very common thing. And you just didn't have a level of trust with your electronic devices. The first one that I think really licked it was the Palm Pilot. And, you know, there there were uh, handheld digital devices before the Palm Pilot, but I think they're one of the first ones that really got it right. And looking back, it's kind of interesting because before all of those portable digital devices usually were kind of a clamshell design and they had a whole little keyboard on the inside, whereas the Palm Pilot was just all screen, which is very similar to some other electronic device that became very popular uh, and kind of bucked the trend. Do you remember yeah. writing in graffiti? Do you? Yeah, I still, do I still, still can do it. I, I, for to this day, make the letter F in the graffiti style, and I'm like, oh, every time I do it, why do I do that? Yeah, T's. I remember T's. Yeah. But either way, so the Palm Pilot showed up, and that was the first time I ever saw somebody sync something reliably to a mobile device, and at that time. A sync wasn't what everybody's thinking about it today, where your computer connects to the cloud and the cloud connects to your mobile device. It was a thing where you had a cord coming out the back of your computer and a little dock on your desk. The hot sync cradle. There you go. And you would, you know, drop your device on there and push a button. I think I don't I don't think it was even automatic. You had to push a button and it would sync over. Did you feel maybe, a little bit like maybe it would like, sink over? Did you feel a little bit like like Captain Picard when you had one of those? Just a little, maybe a little bit. Yes, I did. Like I totally Captain Picard did. and his pad. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were great. And, well, and especially because some of them had that little flippy thing where you could flop it open real fast and pretend it was a communicator. Maybe I never had that. I, I didn't go that high class, but <laughs> I I did think that it. it People felt like right now are saying future. yes. I, I know what you're talking about, Katie. They even sold the the little insert for the Franklin Planner book that you could kind of drop your your Palm Pilot into your book, which never really made a lot of sense to me. But anyway, so uh, the the very long story here, what I'm getting to is it wasn't that long ago that syncing calendars to mobile devices became something that was that was conceivable to us. Uh, but it was not very reliable. And even though the Palm Pilot was the first example, that's the same device I was talking about in the last show where I'd spend $50 on a program just to fix duplicates. Um, and then we started to get the idea of this cloud-based calendar sync and the web-based. And that's really come on its own in the last five years, probably about since the time we started recording the show. Yeah, that's true. In fact, we did a contacts and calendar show. It's been a couple of episodes. Well, it's been a couple of years. But... We thought we had it pretty good in that show, and things have come even further since then. Yeah, I mean, now people largely take it for granted that you're going to type in a date on your computer, and it's going to show up in your pocket. And it's not just an Apple thing. It's it's. I think most mobile and portable technologies now have a reliable calendar sync. Um, but let's spend a few minutes just talking about some of the more common syncing engines, starting with the one most appropriate for our listeners is the iCloud syncing engine. That's what I use for all of my personal calendars. And, um, you know, so I, I have a very similar setup as, as with contacts. I, I use the iCloud sync engine and, and have for quite some time and it's been pretty reliable for me. 
Other than one little snafu, which I'm not entirely sure that I didn't create myself, I haven't had any issues with my iCloud calendars. Yeah. So if you're if you've got an Apple device and you've got an iCloud account, it's a great way to sync your calendar. And and this is one of those things where you want to have a separate account for yourself and your spouse. Well, in fact, we, we talked about this last week with somebody who said they wanted to share contact and calendar databases. The advice is just don't do that. You know, set up your own. Even like my wife and I each have our own iCloud calendar. Um, that being said, we do share calendars with one another. So when I put something on my calendar, she can see it on hers and vice versa. Uh, but it's important to have your own. Now, um, the iClouds, and we're going to get into this in greater details. We talk about the specific applications. But uh, from a big picture view, once you set up your iCloud um, calendar account, you can share those. And if you're working with people with other Apple devices, it's really convenient. In fact, David, you and I do this. I have my personal calendar on iCloud, and then I have an MPU calendar. I think I created this on iCloud that I've shared with you, and I gave you full read-write edit privileges on it. And so now you and I have a shared MPU calendar that we use to schedule shows and to uh, coordinate with guests and things, and that seems to have worked out pretty well. Yeah, and it's really good because we use it on a very limited basis. Like when we have a show... Um, either one, whoever of us kind of locks down the time for the show will put it in the PO calendar and it automatically shows up for the other one. We don't abuse it. You know, like when we go to Macworld, Katie doesn't like schedule me lunches and stuff. You know, if, if you want to invite me, to, that. Uh, you better not. You better not. I will so I will unsubscribe so fast. <laughs> but the um, but like if we're going to go to lunch, she'll create an, an appointment on her own calendar and invite me. You know, or if we're going out with some friends. So yeah, I think the trick with that is don't abuse it. But but the underlying technology exists. You don't need to go on the line online and sign up for any exterior web service. If you've got an Apple device, you've got an iCloud account, you're really well on your way already. Uh, but that's not the only uh, possible syncing engine. Another really good one is Google. Um, you know, Google is... You know, they're, they're just known for how good they do web services like Gmail and Google Calendars falls right in there. I mean, in terms of a company that can deliver the back end servers and the web based calendar management, I'm not sure there's anybody better than Google. Well, and in terms of uh, options for the calendar, I think Google may even have Apple beat a little bit because with the Apple Calendar, you really only have a couple of options in terms of sharing. It's this person can view the calendar, this person can view and edit the calendar. And with the Google Calendar, uh, they have all sorts of options where, you know, this person can view the calendar and read only, this person can view and edit the calendar, this person can invite other people to the calendar. And then they have another mode, which is this person can just see that I'm busy or not. Yeah. Which is nice for different applications. Well, I mean, it, just to to kind of add on to that, Google Calendar has a lot of interesting kind of third-party add-on type services. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people doing interesting things with Google Calendar because it's it's Google. You know, it's more open. It's easier to get in from a third-party developer perspective. And also because it's web-based, it's easier to monkey with the, the works a little bit. And Google is constantly, you know, making attempts to do things like that. Uh, I was just going to look. Do they have? Yeah, they do have labs for calendars. 
So, um, so just look, looking right now, if you have a Gmail, I'm sorry, a Google uh, calendar account, you can go in and you can have it automatically decline events. Um, you can add, uh, they have one called event flare that has a bunch of little icons you can use, you know, year view background image. It's just, you know, it's eminently more customizable. Yeah, and what we talked about where Apple maybe had the little one-up on Google in terms of contacts because Google's contacts isn't really flushed out. I think Google definitely has um, the advantage here over Apple. And you know, I don't know. Apple definitely has made some improvements to the formerly MobileMe, now iCloud service. But uh, you, you also get the sense that maybe they're sitting back a little bit going, whew, seems to work. Let's leave it as is. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And iCloud is such a a generic name for a lot of different services with, I think, entirely different architectures. Um, it's easy to lump them all together, but like Katie, I've had little or no problem with the, with the, um, I, I call it iCal, the iCloud calendar service. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure we'll be hearing from listeners on Twitter and email that have had terrible problems with calendar. Yeah. And, you know, the third option, and not to say that it's the final option, but probably the the last big option is, is one that you'll probably use in the enterprise setting. And it's one that I use for all of my work appointments. And that is Exchange. And I have found Exchange to be pretty good. Um, we It's... There's been some issues with Exchange integration and iCal, no, it's not iCal anymore, Calendar app on the Mac. And although it works, it's, it's been a little bit quirky, but um, better in Mavericks, I think. I had some initial issues with uh, people inviting me to events and, and events disappearing from my calendar when we switched over to Exchange 365 uh, just because we had to have some people in our office relearn appropriate practices for scheduling and permissions were a little different than exchange on a hosted exchange account. But I think um, once we got past those learning curves, the, the calendar service on exchange has been pretty good. I had a, a problem. I was just thinking about iCloud, you know, because the, the email will arrive. I had a problem. I can't remember. It was Gabe Weatherhead or Eddie Smith where we tried to set a joint appointment. I sent him an email and it just didn't. It didn't take for some reason, but I do think you run into some problems going between services. Like if someone from Gmail sends me an invite or Google Calendar sends me an invite, sometimes that causes trouble And when I accept it in iCloud. And I'm not entirely certain that the acceptance gets delivered. I mean, I mean, one of the we haven't mentioned it yet, but one of the great things about the new calendar services is the ability to calendar an appointment with somebody. And I guess I made passing reference to it earlier. But, you know, in the early days, we were just happy if our own calendar would sync to our mobile device. Well, now it's got to the point where we set an appointment and we want someone else to be able you know, we want to send an invite to someone else and have it appear on their calendar as well and to live update. So if we change the time or add notes to the to the appointment, then they see that as well. And I think sometimes you run into issues when you cross pollinate, when you go between exchange to iCloud or Gmail to exchange or, or these various services. And I don't have all the answers for this, but I have seen instances where that really uh, leads to pain and suffering. Yeah. I've seen that where sometimes if somebody on a different service will send me an invite, it will show up as a um, .ics file. 
that I'll have to download and save to my calendar as opposed to just being able to accept it. And it de- sometimes it depends on what device I'm on. Sometimes it depends on what platform it's being sent to and from. So it, it can get wonky. And then um, different services also have different permissions in, in terms of who can manage your calendar and who can do what if you're using one of these shared services, particularly in an office environment where somebody else has the ability to manage your calendar. And so that can get wonky sometimes too. I had a uh, a friend uh, who who knew things, who worked at Apple and said that at one point Apple didn't even use their own calendaring service. And this was years and years ago. I'd be really curious to know if uh, they are using iCloud for their back end calendaring at, at, you know, in Cupertino. <laughs> You'll never know. Well, I mean, I guess I, I hope they are. Like, yeah. I, hope I'm, so. I mean, I hope they are because if they are, they're going to find problems and, and people who can fix the problems are going to find them. But you know that kind of leads to, in some respect, the discussion of the our favorite calendar apps. Well, let's talk first about, <laughs> which may lead you to believe that it's not my favorite calendar app, and you would be right. Um, let's talk about Apple's own solution. Let's talk about the Apple Calendar app, formerly iCal. And again, it will always be iCal in my heart. But yeah. it, it saw some updates in Mavericks. And I thought it was going to, you know, in, in addition to having... Uh, less stitching and less Corinthian leather. Um, it was supposed to get some additional new features, including travel time and, and location finding that was going to hook into the new Apple Maps features that also shipped with Mavericks. And I was really looking forward to some of those features. Have you found that those are working well for you? Because I have not. Okay, wait a second. First, I want to ask. Okay. Do you know the cultural reference of Corinthian leather? Yes, before Star Trek, uh, Khan ended up getting stranded on a desert island with a little yes. man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's actually not that it was an automobile advertisement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. It was Dodge or Chry- I think maybe it was Chrysler with rich Corinthian leather. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but, so, but it was Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was Khan. It was Khan. Yeah. So anyway, you're right. Uh, they. I thought that the um, the prior iteration of calendar was kind of a low point for it was called calendar then it, it was iCal for so long but I believe yeah, that it was it mountain just lion. prior was calendar yeah yeah mountain lion it was it was calendar uh, but I thought that was really a low point for both the contacts and the calendar applications and it, and I don't want to dwell on this but that torn paper at the top of the lion <laughs> calendar. Honestly, it was I, I don't think I ever opened the application. It was just like, okay, BusyCal just wins by default. They you know, make there, it there's, a, there's a terminal command, and I think you can use the Secrets app to get rid of that. Yeah, and then I got thinking, why am I running terminal commands to fix something that I just can't stand? I, you know, I really, I don't know. I've got such so much, you know, trust and faith in what what Apple does in terms of design. I never understood that decision, but um, anyway. Uh, so they they got much better with Mavericks. I think the interface is definitely better. Um, oh, and the calendar is beautiful. I I like the look of the calendar, and and some people think it's a little too sparse. But I've got colorful calendars. I've got one's purple and one's blue and one's orange. And um, so I think it, it really makes the focus on my events, which is what I want the focus to be on. And so I, I like the new look of the calendar. Okay. Uh, I, I think it looks nice. I'm not sure I, I would. It's definitely not terrible, yeah. which is what it was before. It feels to me. Like they took, they definitely had a clear direction, get rid of the leather and the torn paper, 
but I'm not sure they went very far over that. No. I, I, I would I like to see it get more attention. Yeah. Once again, I think they're still making it easy for BusyCal. Yeah. Um, but you never really answered my, my question. I know we got off the topic a little bit, but there were a couple of new features that were um, were introduced in Calendar. And famously, before, before Calendar shipped, the new version of Calendar shipped and before Mavericks was introduced, I want to say, I, I don't think it was Jason Snell, but I believe it was writing for Macworld. It, it could have been Jason Snell. Somebody wrote a great article for Macworld that, that was... Um, you know, 10 things you can do to improve calendars now or something like that. And I, one of them was include travel times, but there were so many great suggestions for, for how you can improve calendars. I'm, I'm going to see if we can find that, uh, that article while, while we talk. But um, one of them was include travel times and have the calendar be smart about including travel times. And it's just not happening for me. Really? See, I, I think that, that that's a pretty good implementation. Um, I think it's a good idea. And I think... Um, it does fail a little bit on, on one element. That's usually finding where you're going. Um, so the idea is when you set an appointment, you know, lunch with Katie at Macworld. Because I'm thinking about Macworld. Can you tell? I can tell. We're just a couple of weeks away. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> but anyway, so I say lunch with Katie. And I know that it's going to be on the other side of town. It's going to take me 30 minutes to get there. The way I've always done that in the past is I will schedule the lunch as an appointment and just to show you what, you know, how crazy I am, I will schedule the travel time as a separate appointment. So if I'm going to, if it takes me 30 minutes to get somewhere, I put on my calendar, drive to lunch. And I've been doing that for years. I mean, I did it, when it with a paper calendar. And and actually the way I did it with a paper calendar is very similar to the way Apple does it. Now I do it with a, with a um a, a horizontal line across the calendar item with the travel time above. And I set alarms for that as well, because if I set an appointment to meet someone at 12 and it takes 30 minutes to get there, an alarm going off for me at 12 or five minutes to 12 is, is not really going to solve my problem. So with the Mavericks calendar, the idea was we are going to allow you to build the travel time right into the appointment and largely it delivers. So if I have an appointment open and and you can go to the time for the appointment, then there is a travel time entry right there. And you've got a, um, a, a set of uh, the arrows there. If you click on it, it's got default times 5, 15, 30, one hour, or you can set a custom time. So by default, that works just fine. And I think that was actually an update. With the original Mavericks, it wasn't as clean as this, mm -hmm. but they've, they've made it better. The other thing you can do is you can add a location. And this is kind of the innovative thing I thought that they did with Mavericks, is if I start typing in a name there, like Katie and I are going to meet at, what's a good place? Oh, let's meet at um, Sa no, Samovar. Oh, okay. Samovar. It's, if you're going to Macworld, here's a travel tip. It's the best tea, and it's right across the street. Actually, it's right above Moscone. I don't want to go get tea with you. <laughs> I forgot. You have a lot of anger towards my tea, don't you? <laughs> well, I don't want to get tea with you either. Maybe we can get, a, get coffee. There's a, I've never been to a Pete's Coffee. You've never been to a Pete's. Well, I'd get tea there, too. Okay. Well, I've never been to a Pete's. We don't have them on the East Coast. So okay. there we go. So if, if you type in Pete's up there, okay. it will try and find a Pete's generally near where you're located. And it will find the Pete's in the general area. Um, 
I have not found this to be very reliable. Sometimes it works like a charm, and sometimes it gets me every Pete's except the one closest to me. And if if you try to add more descriptive words, you say Pete's Moscone Center or something like that, it throws the whole system off. It doesn't do nearly as good of job as Mind does. You know, Mind the uh, the iPhone app that you turned me on to. Yeah, M Y N D. Yeah. Yeah, and so that algorithm needs work, in my opinion. And with the calendar data Apple possesses, I would think that 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 could get better. But if it works, it's great, because if it works, it's going to know where you're at, and it's going to figure out how long it takes to get there, and it's going to estimate travel time for you. So you say, give me alert when I need to leave, and it'll figure that out. And and mine does that, but yeah, the the iPhone kind of does that. But it doesn't really alert you to it because the iPhone, it's a little freaky, but if you if you allow it to in the location preferences, it knows where you are. And so if you if you pull down, um, oh, gosh, what is the name for it? When you pull down, it shows you your agenda for the day where it tells you your, um, you know, the weather is and, and what's going on. Notification center. Notification center. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. I don't know why I was blanking on that. But if you pull down notification center, uh, it will tell me, like if I pulled it down, on a, I pulled it down on Wednesday and it said right now it would take you, um, you know, 20 minutes to drive to, you know, this location. And I said, well, why does it think that I'm going there? I'm not going there. But yet last Wednesday at the next thing that I did at five o'clock is I drove to this location and I did the Wednesday before that, but I wasn't this particular Wednesday. So your iPhone has the ability to know these things. It just hasn't quite integrated with calendar yet to figure it out. So I think it's coming. Well, it, the iPhone has an easier job of this because the iPhone knows where you're at now and it knows where you're going. Uh, so to use Mind as an example, M-Y-N-D, this app on the iPhone, it knows that you're at your home and it knows your next appointment's at work and it knows where your work is. So it's going to be able to accurately determine how far that is. Now, the quality of the data it's pulling from, you know, some some of them may actually have traffic data. So they'll have a much better idea how long it's going to take than some of them that just know, you know, as the crow flies, it generally takes 30 minutes to get there. The problem that your Mac has, and this is the calendar app on the Mac we've been talking about, is that it doesn't necessarily know where you're at for the travel time. And a lot of people were having trouble with this uh, when they first started. So, And here's another thing I do that's completely anal with my calendar is I have a separate calendar called Routine, R-O-U-T-I-N-E. I have to be careful ever since the, you know, the two pay incident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so my routine calendar has a lot of repeating elements to it. Like every day I drive to work at, you know, 630. So that's there. And it, and it knows, and I set as the destination, my office. So now the calendar app knows that he's at his work. And then when my next appointment is lunch at Pete's with uh, Katie, it's going to know that, well, he's leaving from the office and he's going to the Pete's in Mission Viejo. So it's going to take, you know, X number of minutes to get there. You have to give it that data. You can't just assume that the calendar is going to know where you're at when you leave. Right. That's true. And that, that causes trouble too. And the net result of all of this is to the extent I use it, uh, I just go in and set travel time manually. And that's, a, you know, another thing I have is I don't ever want to be the last person to a lunch or a meeting. So I'm much more likely to leave. If it takes 20 minutes to get there, I'm much more likely to leave 30 minutes early. And that's actually something you can customize in, in mind 
the app mind is it you can have it give you a buffer. I don't know if you noticed that in the preferences. No, but we're going to and we're going to give mind yeah. its own talk it's later. But but so so the net result of this travel time thing is I, I'm not really that happy with the ad location, which means I don't really use it that much. And since I end up in busy Cal so often anyway, uh, what I've been doing is still just I set a separate appointment to leave. So that that one didn't stick with me very well. How about you? I think one of the reasons that the, I almost, if I'm going to do it, number one, I have to be in the calendar app, which I'm seldom because it's not my, it's not my primary calendar application. And number two, I always have to manually put it in because it never picks up the location for me. And even sometimes when I have the actual address in, it won't pick up the travel time for me. And I just, I've complained about this before and I'll try not to harp on it too much in the past, but Apple map, I think that's because the Apple maps in my location is not very good. And yeah. I know it's pulling from the same data. Well, that that would explain it, though. Yeah, it would explain I, it. Makes sense. I've had pretty good luck with it, but not consistently good luck. And when it's one of these computer things, you know, the first time it takes you three minutes to get the location in, you're just going to feel like you're never going to want to do it again. Right. That's true. Or you, and then you start clicking down, and the results. Uh, update while you're clicking. So you, you think you're clicking on the right one, then the wrong one goes in. And that, you know, I, I've had all sorts of shenanigans with my attempts to make this work. I haven't given up on it though. I, I think it's a good idea. And I think that with a little time, this could get really useful. Totally unrelated. Have you done that thing in Apple maps where you find a location and then you send it to your phone? I have. Yes. It's awesome. Assuming it sends you to the right place. Yeah. Well, I guess that gets back to the problem. It does. Yeah. Um, but going back, I, I mentioned, and it, uh, my, my memory was pretty good in this case, it, that Macworld article that I was referencing, it was an article back, uh, by Jason Snell back in April of 2013, Why Aren't Digital Calendars Smarter? So this would have been back before WWDC when uh, Mavericks, before Mavericks was released. Yeah. And and some of the things that he complained about and some of the things that he wanted uh, came in Mavericks, specifically travel time. Um, but some of it is, is still to come. You know, why why can't his his calendar, you know, block when he doesn't want any more meetings? And why doesn't his calendar know where where I am? And um, why doesn't his calendar know that every time I set an appointment to do my laundry, that it takes me three hours. But yet when I make an appointment called laundry, the automatic default is an hour. So. But it did yeah. get the it did say the skeuomorphism he did not like and it went appeared. So he, he got two out of a couple of his things. There yeah, there's still work to be done. Yeah. <laughs> so the, we'll uh, we'll put a link to that why aren't digital calendars smarter article in the show notes. Uh, uh, some something else is if you're a big calendar user, you can do some some tweaks to it. Like Stack Exchange has a whole uh, thread on tweaking the calendar app. They used to have this mode called debug mode, which was really cool. And the way you got it was you went into the terminal on the Mac and you typed in some cur- terminal, you know, mojo and it, it put the calendar in what they called debug mode and it added all these additional features. And it was kind of like an internal thing at Apple where they were trying out features and they made it sort of public by exposing this debug mode in the terminal. And everybody used to do it. Like, I know I used to run it all the time. Uh, That has gone away when iCal turned to calendar. Hmm. But there are some that you can change. One of them is, uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes, is to, um, to display the number of days in a week. 
So if, for instance, you want to see 14 days instead of seven, which is something you can do with the setting in BusyGal, um, you can go into the terminal and type in a command and, and you'll get 14 days or 10 days or whatever you want. Uh, you, you can go into the terminal and type in a command to do that. You can also, yes. I've, I've talked about this before, there's a great app called Secrets. It's a preference pane. Yeah. That will allow you, without having to go into the terminal and type all of that magic, and will give you a graphical user interface for a lot of these things. And that's one of them. So you can change, um, for example, the number of days in a week view, the default alarm sound. Um, they do have the ability to enable debug mode, but when you activate it, it doesn't do anything because there is no debug mode. Um, and set the standard event duration, uh, whatever the standard is for that. You can update all that in secrets without going into the terminal and hacking it. I don't think Apple's calendar app is is dreadful anymore. No. I mean, it was it was fine, then it was dreadful, and now it's fine again. I'm not going to call it great. Yeah. So um, let's talk some more about some different calendar apps. But maybe before we do, do you want to talk about our sponsor? Yeah, uh, we have an exclusive sponsor for today's show. It's Smiles PDF Pin, and we want to thank them for sponsoring the show. I'm going to talk about PDF Pin for the Mac because it 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 completes me. It's my very favorite PDF okay. application. As an attorney, I spend a lot of time in PDFs, and I, I and as a Mac nerd, I'm always moving these PDFs between my iPad and my my Mac, and I want to be able to make things happen. And PDF Pin is just such a a delightful application to manage PDFs on your Mac. Um, one of the the big points about it is is cost, because so many of these PDF applications, especially like the stuff from Adobe, is is a lot of money. Whereas PDF Pen, you can get into it for sixty dollars for the standard version, or just ninety nine for the Pro version. And they've got really serious features. For instance, they've got this redact feature, where it's not just drawing black boxes around text, but actually redacting it. So if you work in a business or like you have your client uh, confidential information you want to you want to cover up you can redact it in PDF pen it's a very expensive feature in a lot of applications it comes right baked into PDF pen um, another thing I really love about this and I, I have not I have I just still can't get over this you can get a PDF in PDF pen uh, you can export it to Word, and it does some real great stuff. It'll take a PDF uh, form, and, and this happens all the time in my business, but I'm sure it does in yours as well. Uh, and you want to be able to edit it or work on it in Microsoft Word. If you if you set, you push a button, it goes up to the web, it converts it to a Word document and puts it back on your Mac as a Word document, and it looks great. I mean, they do a really good job of this conversion, so you can go in there and make edits to it, pull text out, and do all sorts of great things. Um, or just, you know, use it as a starting point for something entirely new, and it happens right within the PDF application. Another thing I love about uh, PDF Pen is the ability to easily add bookmarks. So if I have a very long PDF, I can add bookmarks and organize the document. The, the feature list really goes on and on. Um, another one, for example, that I constantly use is optical character recognition. And in addition, you know, Katie's going to talk later about how she uses PDF Pen on iOS devices. But, you know, OCR is very important for a lot of people. And you really can't beat the OCR engine that they've got built right into PDF Pen. So whenever I get a, a document that doesn't have a PDF um, uh, optical character recognition in it, I just open up in PDF Pen. It prompts me right away. I've got it set to do it automatically. It's always watching for uh, un-OCR documents. It runs the OCR on it. 
and then it gives me a very pleasant gong sound when it's done. Makes me very happy. And then I can use PDF Pen's iCloud Sync to put that straight onto my iPad and start reading it with the OCR. Pull out my my jot and start highlighting and going crazy on the document. Because PDF is Pen is made by Smile, who's a loving Mac developer, they've got some really great Apple Script built in. So in addition to running the OCR manually, you can do that all through Apple Script. Now I wrote this up. A couple of years ago on Mac Sparky, uh, an Apple script to automatically OCR documents in PDF pen. And this was a couple of years ago. So I did it with the folder action at the time. And I thought I was really clever. And then along came this uh, Katie Floyd lady and mm-hmm. she took that script and she put it into a Hazel action because Hazel can run Apple script. So I, Katie, that was brilliant what you did. So <laughs> I, you. um, I totally uh, went and, and looked at your post and I added it to my own system. So now I've got a folder on Dropbox that says to OCR. And when I put uh, to space OCR, see how good I did that. Uh, so now when I put a document in that folder, uh, Hazel is always watching that folder on Dropbox. As soon as it sees me put a PDF in there, it fires up PDF pen, runs the old OCR script I wrote and and saves it to OCR and then moves it out of the folder. Well, just that fast, I can OCR any document. And all this is possible because of the work all the people at Smile did to make PDF Pin work so great on the Mac. It's really a fantastic application at a reasonable price. You can go on their website at smilesoftware.com, download a free demo, try it out yourself, figure out which version you want. I think one of the big reasons to buy the pro version is if you do a lot of heavy PDF work and you want to be able to make your own forms, or if you want to be able to use those bookmarks to really get everything organized that to me, that's the killer reason to get the pro version, but figure out which one works for you and check it out. If you do decide to get it, let them know you heard about it from us. All right. I want to talk about um, my calendar application of choice and I've been, a, for a long time, a BusyCal user. Yeah, totally. And, and I used BusyCal, gosh, for for years. And then I switched back to iCal, iCal, no, I guess it was iCal at the time, and then Calendar. I'm going to call it iCal all throughout the show. Um, when I needed exchange support for the office, but then a, a couple of... Eh, couple of months ago, maybe not quite a year ago, uh, BusyCal introduced Exchange support, and I got in on the beta, and, and I've been converted over to BusyCal back again ever since. Um, but despite the Exchange support, I just prefer BusyCal as a calendaring application, part of it because I didn't care for the look of the other calendaring application um, under under iCal, and part of it just is because I thought it had a bunch of additional features. Um, back when my life was a lot simpler, and I didn't have to use a big task management system like OmniFocus, and I was just able to use to-dos to manage my tasks. Oh, to only get back to those days. Um, I used the to-do system that was integrated back then into into the uh, calendaring application, and BusyCal did a really good job with that. Unfortunately, I don't use to-dos anymore. I, my life has just gotten too complicated. But BusyCal, the reason that I use it is because it just gives me a lot more options in terms of customization uh, with the calendar, just from, from simple little things like the ability to show me where my weather is, you know, like I know that, uh, did you know the high in Florida is going to be 79 degrees tomorrow? Wow. Yeah. Low's going to be 61. It's like summer. It is like summer. But then on uh, Wednesday we get down to 45. So I don't know what's going on with that. It's, it's it's wacky weather here, but I, I would have no clue and be totally unprepared, but for that little stream that goes across my calendar, cause I don't. 
I don't watch local news regularly, and so otherwise I wouldn't know until I got myself somewhere and was completely unprepared. But, you know, those those are little things. But more importantly is it gives me a lot of um, customized views options. So I like the fact that it's got today is the first day of the week. And if today today happens to be Monday as we're recording this, it's the first day of the week, which is normal for me. But if today was Wednesday, Wednesday would be the first day of the week, which is how I have my calendar set up. And I also like to have a little more than a week view because I like to see what's going on into next week. So my typical calendar setup is is 10 days. Is that what you have yours, or do you do you do a full two weeks? I, I go the full Monty two weeks all the way. I I, I usually run busy Cal in full screen. That's um, that's a lot. Well, I, calendars are important to me, but you're right. I, I like the way it displays the weather, and it's 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 really a nice design. Uh, as a little background, um, John and I forget John's partner the. The, the, the main guys behind BusyCal are very passionate about calendaring applications. They are the ones that are behind, um, was it Now Up to Date? Wasn't that the name of that? And Now previous? Contacts, yeah. Yeah, Now yeah. Up to Date, yeah. yeah. So these guys have been working with calendars on Macs for a long time. And I think, frankly, there's a lot more development time put into BusyCal than there is into Calendar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Apple... I think the calendar application is important to Apple, but I think that they've got a lot of fish to fry over there. And at the BusyCal office, there's only one thing they're thinking about every day is how do we make calendars work better for people? Um, one of the things I really love about BusyCal is the list view, um, You know, where you can just type list and you get a nice um, linear list of everything coming up. And I use that all the time. Do you, do you ever use that? that yeah, view? and then it, it's kind of freak. It, it makes your calendar look more like a to-do list or more like a task list, which sometimes it kind of is. Yeah. Well, it, it's just another way to see your data. Right. Um, it, BusyCal, their own design has evolved over the last few years, and I think for the better, frankly. I mean, there's, there's just a lot to like about BusyCal. Yeah. I have actually found that my exchange works better with BusyCal than it does with, with iCal or uh, calendar. I was getting a bunch of exchange errors, particularly with shared calendars in my office setup. Um, well, everybody has a calendar, but really the only people who, who regularly use their calendar are the attorneys. So we have seven different calendars in the office that everybody has their own exchange accounts. And then everybody can view calendars of everybody else to see where everybody is and and what's going on so you can schedule things. And I I would have weird problems where other people's calendars, you know, who I – I don't know if the word subscribes to, but who I have in calendar, but not active, who I have in in calendar or BusyCal, if I want to click over and see their calendar and see what they've got going on, it it wouldn't automatically update. And sometimes it wouldn't update at all, and it would be days and it would be weeks out of of, – uh, update and I would keep getting these these weird error messages and I still have that problem sometime with calendar it's been less frequent since the transition over to Maverick so I think there's there's definitely some kind of under the hood improvement um, but it was still an issue and, and exchange is still a little wonky but overall I found things have just run smoother on BusyCal. I have not seen that difference. Um, Exchange has worked fine for me, both on calendar and BusyCal, though. Um, yeah, but- I'll, I'll tell you when I noticed the difference, though. Um, well, I noticed it on the other Exchange server, but I noticed it more so when we shifted to Exchange 365. I don't think you've, you're still doing a hosted Exchange, right? No, no, we're on 365, too. Oh, are you? Yeah. Well, go figure. Maybe we're right? just broken. 
Who knows? Uh, but there's a lot more to BusyCal. Like, for instance, it's a non-modal info panel, you know, on um, on on calendar. Once you open the info panel, I mean, once you open the uh, the selection to edit an event, it really shuts you shuts you out of other things. Uh, the list view is great. Um, they have that menu bar app, which is kind of cool if you want the ability to get into your calendar data or alarms very quickly. They have smart filters. They have tags, sunrise and sunset times. I yeah, mean, it just kind of goes on. Yeah, you brushed over alarms, and um, that is probably. Believe it or not, one of, if not the biggest thing that I, I use BusyCal for is because it has custom, really customized alarms. And um, Rick wrote in and told us, because I was complaining about this with, with Calendar, about how it was really difficult for me to set. Oh, so you can set an alarm on Calendar saying, you know, alert me about something 20 minutes before it happens or 30 minutes before it happens or whatever you want. But I was having trouble with snooze in Calendar. And he says, no, there there are ways to custom snooze. It's just, it's not very user friendly. But with the you can either with BusyCal, you can either use their notifications or you can use them in notification center and I use their notifications. So you can set it to alert you and you can even set it to alert you twice if you want, depending on what your settings are. Sometimes depending on the meeting, I'll have it alert me like thirty minutes or an hour in advance, so I'll stop what I'm doing to prepare for the meeting. And then sometimes I'll have it alert me like five minutes before so I can actually get up and walk to the meeting. Yeah. But um but then you can set it to snooze and you can set these variable snooze times. So if you just can't get to it right this minute, but you want the notification to come back up, you can say, well, snooze for five minutes. Or you can be very custom. You can say, well, snooze for five minutes before this thing starts. And so you can get much more custom in, in terms of the alerts. So what's the downside of BusyCal? It lacks some of the features that Calendar has. Um, John has teased and said that he hopes to have something new to show us at Macworld, so we'll see what he's adding to there. Um, but, for example, the BusyCal doesn't have travel time, um, and that would be one thing that I do miss. I wish BusyCal did have travel time. Um, it does have the ability to um, to add – you can certainly add a location, and that will work, but it doesn't have the ability to see travel time. Um, it syncs in with all of your other calendars, so if you have that information and you put it in BusyCal, if you ultimately pop something up in calendars or in any other calendar application, uh, it, it it reads from the all from the same database, so it will you know it will still all read there. Yeah, that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize is if you're using the iCloud, it's kind of the the calendar store on your Mac, and any applications that want to tie into that can. In fact, one of the other applications we're about to talk about um, also uses the same calendar store. So that that was, I think, something Apple did that was really smart and forward-thinking. They didn't tie all the calendar data into calendar as some proprietary system. It actually allows other applications to access the same data set. Um, but I think that's probably my my biggest negative with, with BusyCal is not having the travel time built in. Yeah. And see, to me, it's just really a question of money. If if I think it's just superior. Uh, I, I mean, the things we've talked about, the list view, the weather, the sunrise and sunset, the better alarms, all this stuff reflects a, a greater level of detail and attention. And I'm sure there's people at Apple that want to add kind of power features to calendar. And I'm sure there's other people at Apple that are telling them they can't, you know, because Apple wants everything to be really kind of simple and easy to use. And BusyCal gives you some kind of pro level features. But you got to pay for it, you know, because these guys got to pay the rent, you know, and they're going to be spending all their time making this calendar application for you. But if you are someone who is hitting your head on the feature set in the current calendar application, I think you should at least go download the demo and try it. 
Yeah. And I guess we should mention for full disclosure, um, it, it's 50 bucks, by the way, is the, is the price that David was asking. Um, BusyCal has sponsored Mac Power users from, from time to time, and I believe they're sponsoring more shows next next month or this month. So I, I just mentioned that for full disclosure. This is not a sponsored show by them, obviously. We had this in the works before we knew they were coming back on as a sponsor. Yeah, and I, I started buying this application a long time before they sponsored our show. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but there's another player on the space that I think is worth looking into and possibly purchasing. And it's kind of a one trick pony in a certain extent, but it's really good. And that's fantastical. 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 I think it's more than a one trick pony. Um, but it's, it's certainly famous. Yeah, you're right. It's cer- not fair. It's certainly famous for quick calendar entry. And, and Fantastical became famous on the Mac. And it's a, a calendar that sits up in men- your menu bar. And you assign a keyboard shortcut to it. Like mine is uh, Shift-Command-C. I don't know if that's the default or if that's just what I've assigned to it. And it will pop up Fantastical. And it has intelligent... Uh, parsing of your words. So I type in uh, February to our Feb 24 record Mac power users with David at 10 PM. And it will automatically figure that out that, okay, well, this is an event. It's on February 24th. Uh, it's with David. If I put David S it would probably figure out David sparks and it's going to record the title. It knows is record Mac power users. And it's going to create, if I just hit the return key, it's going to create a calendar entry. Now I can go in and I can customize or I can put more entry in that. But if I just need to get something on my calendar quickly and I want to make note of an appointment, I, you know, uh, shift command C, type it in in natural language and boom, it's done. Okay. You're missing the best part though. Did, so Indiana Jones uh, and the um, Last Crusade. Did you see that movie? Is that the one that had no point because it didn't matter if Indiana Jones was in it or not? Do you just like, you like to do this to me, don't you? <laughs> yes, I've seen Indiana Jones in the last crusade. Okay, so there is the uh, the end, the scene at the end where he has to take the leap of faith, yes. right? Yes. He looks out, looks like he's going to plummet to his death. Well, what's the saying? I forget what the little book says then. What does the book say? Do you remember? It's like only those humble where he has to duck and the thing goes over his head. And then there's anyway, there's something in his little book and it says, you know, something about a leap of faith, you know, and and he he takes the leap of faith because his dad is sitting there bleeding out. It's a great movie. And uh, and turns out that just from his perspective, he couldn't see the chasm, the uh, the little bridge uh, protecting him from the chasm. Well, that is exactly what you do with most of these applications. When you type in something and and it creates an event or creates a contact or any of this stuff for you, you know, you type in uh, Mac Power Users with David on February 24th and you hit return and you hope that it puts the stuff in the right place. The thing that I think Fantastical does that makes it special is that as you are typing, it starts animating where that information it thinks belongs. So you don't have to take the leap of faith. It actually fills it out as you type it. Do you understand? Yeah. That little animation to me makes all the difference. And, and that, I guess that's why I would call it a, to the extent I call it a one trick ponies, because I rely on it multiple times every day to add events to my calendar, because it's just so useful to see it animate the information as it, as it goes in. And it works really great. It adds to do's as well if you're using the built-in to-do support, but I just love it for calendars. And I, do it, I don't do it like Katie. I usually write 
you know, meeting with or record Mac power users will be the first thing I type. Uh, and then I'll say February 24 at 6 p.m. PST and at, you know, home or whatever location I want. Another thing that's really this is a power trip, a uh, power trick for Fantastical is the slash key. Yes, because if you have multiple calendars and David, I want to hear more about your calendar setup because it sounds like you have a lot of calendars. Uh, yeah. You can tell Fantastical which calendar to put things on. So I type, for whatever reason, I can't rename my exchange calendar. And if you know how to do that, let me know. So it's just called slash calendar. Yeah, I don't have an answer for you. Mine does the same thing. Okay. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's slash MPU for MPU calendar or slash personal for personal calendar or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. So the slash key is really useful if you're using multiple calendars. So you type in the event, the time, and it animates the whole time at the input, the slash and the first letter from the calendar you want. And it gets to the right calendar. You type enter and you keep going. Um, that is so much faster than opening calendar or BusyCal and, you know, dragging and creating a new event. Now, both calendar and BusyCal are coming up with their own kind of fuzzy logic type of calendar entry, but none of them do that animation, which to me makes Fantastical worth the price of admission. Right. So what do I use it for? Uh, Fantastical, I use it to enter calendars. And sometimes I use it for kind of a quick view, because if you click on it, you can get that. Um, the BusyCal menu bar icon does similar stuff for you as well. Yeah. Now, Fantastical got an update. I guess it was when they, they went to Fantastical version 2. And um, they now integrate with Reminders. And I don't remember if the Mac version always did this or if the Mac version just did it when the iOS version did it. I don't know. I don't remember either. Um, Do you use the reminder integration at all? No. In fact, I I don't even display them because the way I use reminders is not really the way most people use reminders. Hmm. I will use it occasionally as a shortcut into OmniFocus. Because if I'm just sitting there and I want to quick entry something, um, I've got OmniFocus set to check my reminder list and automatically import into OmniFocus. Yeah. But but if I'm but I only do that on iOS. If I'm on my Mac, I'm just going to pull up the quick entry thing. Now, do you do that? Um, so, what? How many reminders lists do you use? Do you just use the basic one? Um, I actually, uh, it normally um, normally I have. Uh, two reminders list. I have just one called generic reminders, which imports into OmniFocus and I have a generic shopping list and which is my normal grocery store shopping. And then if I need things from other places, or if I have kind of short term lists for a special project, I will create additional list as necessary. I keep my reminders pretty simple. Yeah. See, I have a bunch of them. I have them store specific. So I'll have like one for target. And while you were while you were talking, I just opened up Fantastical. By the way, my keyboard shortcut, if anybody really gives a damn, is uh, Control Option Command F. You know, for yeah, Fantastical. And um, so I, I I typed buy toothpaste, and then I used the slash, like you know, used to to select a calendar. Right. But I put T, and it immediately it animated to say buy toothpaste target list. Okay. So so guess what. I'm going to start using Fantastical to add reminders now because that's much faster than opening the app and going in and typing something. Yeah, see, I know some stuff sometimes. Yeah, but I do not display those lists because I've got no, all these. Little, no, I don't display them either. 
And so there's a setting. The default, once you start using Fantastical, is to display those reminders lists, which gives you this really long list, which is no fun. Um, so, so make sure to turn that off unless you really want to see all your reminders. The other thing that's kind of interesting, if, if you're adding an event through Fantastical, and we're, we're recording this at the end of, of February, but if I were to start writing an event, say, you know, record live Mac Power users on March 1, the little calendar view will scroll to March. I mean, it's it's just really clever. These guys spent a lot of time thinking about how can we make entering calendar events painless and quick, and they really delivered. Um, it's not a traditional calendar application, though. It's not one where you're going to have a full screen version of your calendar with all these scrolling events. Right? No, I, I will use it. Um, I certainly use it occasionally if I need to take a quick glance at something on my calendar. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, if I just want to see what time is that appointment I've got today. But I, I don't use it as my as my primary calendar. Now, We've talked primarily about Fantastical for, for Mac. There is also a Fantastical for iOS. Do you want to go ahead and transition a little bit and, and talk about some iOS stuff? Or Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, and Fantastical came out for Mac first, and that was where everybody used it. And then more recently, uh, Fantastical has come out for iOS, and now there's Fantastical 2 for iOS that will do a lot of the same stuff that Fantastical for Mac will um, in terms of calendars and, and reminders. And there are a couple of things in particular that I like about Fantastical for iOS. Um, I don't know about you, David, but Fantastical has become my default calendar application on iOS. It's in my doc. Um, it's not in my doc. It's on my homepage, and it's on the first row of my homepage. But... One of the things that I really like that they've done with Fantastical on iOS is you've got the quick entry keyboard, or so you can use Siri to dictate into Fantastical. So because Fantastical is so good about parsing natural language into creating events, it's really easy, and sometimes I found, in fact, easier than using Siri, because I still find that Siri gets hung up a little bit on creating events for me, and maybe I just don't use the proper syntax for that. But well, and that's the whole point, right? Why do you have to remember the proper syntax? Yeah. that That's where it falls down. Yeah, so I just pop open Fantastical. Um, although if I were smart, I'd probably use um, uh, Launch Center Pro and do this. And then um, hit the dictation button and dictate the time or dictate an event and Fantastical will, will parse it off for me. But if you decide to type it in, which you may for, for any number of reasons, maybe you're in a public place and can't dictate it out, they've added this extra row of keys on the top of the standard keyboard, which you're seeing certain apps do. And it makes a lot of sense for an app like Fantastical because it's got an entire row of numbers plus the slash and the uh, colon which makes sense because for a calendar app, you can put dates and times and that famous slash key for, you know, slash calendar or whatever. It's really great. And yeah. the other, yeah, I just don't like, in this case, Fantastical is not only really great for adding new events. I think it's one of the best calendar apps for displaying events. It's got a nice, easy to read list of your events underneath the monthly view. And, and that to me is basically all I need. Like, so if I'm somewhere and I need to know if I'm available, I can just tap on the day and then immediately I'll have a list of events underneath. So it kind of combines the daily view and the monthly view. This, I mean, this, it does the exact same thing on the Mac, but I think this view makes even more sense on the phone. Do you keep your calendar on the phone in the weekly view or do you keep it in the monthly view? I keep a calendar in the monthly view with yeah, the I list underneath. Yeah, me too. 
Um, it's, I think that they did a really good job with Fantastical 2 for the iPhone. I, mean, I was using it before, but the second version, and it's very iOS friendly, and I don't know. It, it's it's my primary calendar application. Now, the, the Apple calendar application, I think, is pretty good on the phone, too. I, I don't think this one, I think this one gets more love and support than the one on the Mac does. Um, and it's very iOS 70 and there's some things to like about it. One of the nicest things about it is it puts the date in the icon. Well, you, you know, you can, and it's, it bothers me a little bit, but you know, you can set Fantastical to have a badge in the icon to tell you. The yeah. Date. Most of the calendar apps have that option where if you want, you can throw a switch and there's a badge with the date in it. And it bothers me more than it does you, Katie, cause I, I just can't leave it turned on. Okay. But but I looked at it and, you know, when Fantastical 2 came out, I, I was putting both uh, both the Apple default application and Fantastical on my homepage and just kind of went with a month to see which one I use the most. And I found Fantastical 2 to be more convenient to use. And I, I realized that I don't really look at the date in the icon very often. I mean, I, know, I generally know what day it is. I haven't, you know, I haven't gone that senile yet. So I have a watch that tells me what day it is. All right, there you go. So are you saying you are that senile now? I'm just saying that I have a watch, and it tells me what day and what time it is, and so I don't have that problem. Okay, Katie Floyd, I believe you. But there's another calendar application you want to talk about, right? Do I get to talk about Mind now? Yeah, well, we already raised this on a show. I think it was just a few weeks ago. When, what show was that that, we, that you brought this up? I don't know. I have to think about that. It, well, it's not it was, that long. It was within the last month because I've got it now. And I'm really tempted to put that on my home screen because it's just such a great app. Yeah. And, and I want to say, I'm going to take credit that since I raised on that show, people have been talking about it everywhere. But I, I don't think it was me. I think I was just catching on to a trend. But I'll take credit for it if that works. All right, go for it. Why yeah. not? Um, take it where you can get it. That's yeah, what I say. Sure. So um, Mind is a calendaring app that... I don't know that I use it as my default calendar, but it's certainly an application that I like having running in the background. So again, because everything talks to the same calendar store, whether for me it be iCloud or it be Exchange, um, Mind hooks into all of that and it can can read all of that. So all of your calendar events are the same everywhere. Um, and you can also do scheduling directly within the app, but I don't do that because I do that with Busy or Cal or one of the other things. I'm, I'm sorry, with a Fantastic Cal or Busy Cal or whatever. But the thing that I like about Mind is it's really smart, and which is why it might end up on my on my home screen eventually. But for example, if I'm looking at it right now, it tells me what am I doing right now? And it says what's going on right now as I'm recording Mac power users. The first thing I get is this, I hate to say it, but but almost Windows phone tile type setting to say, I'm recording Mac power users. The current temperature outside is 61 degrees. The people I'm recording it with are me and you. Um, it's at a single location. And today I've driven a total of 28 miles. And after this, I have no more events left on my calendar. And if I flip over to tomorrow, it tells me that um, I don't have any appointments in the morning tomorrow. My first appointment tomorrow is at 3 p.m. Um, and I've got to go to court at 3 p.m. And tomorrow the weather's going to be 75 degrees uh, for the high. And I've got, based on my appointments, I have to, to travel 12 miles tomorrow. And Mind is really smart about figuring out where I am, where I'm going, and where I'm traveling to and giving me 
um, locations better than any other calendaring app I've used. And also being smart about that. So if it if it originally thinks that my commute, I think the example I used last time to the deli is going to be 20 minutes after I've driven that route a couple of times and it figures out that it's only going to take me 10, it, it figures out that, okay, my commute's only going to take me 10. And it can alert you when you need to leave for an appointment and give you directions if you want. Yeah, it's an interesting app. It's got some panache and it seems like it's got, you know, the design is nice. Um it, it, sometimes it gives you funny little messages when your appointments for the day are done. Well, it's just telling you it's time to go home and this is how long it's going to take you to get home. I've got a, um, I, I'm just kind of flipping through it. I've got a call with one of our, our geek friends in a few days and it shows his picture yeah. on that day, which is kind of neat. Um, I, I, there's just a lot to like about this. I am. Um, it's not really a replacement for Fantastic Cal. Like you said, adding appointments is not as easy as it is with Fantastic Cal, but it's a very interesting app and it does a lot more than just calendaring. Like you said, it's got the weather in it and it's got, it keeps track of information and distance. And I don't know. I, I'm re- this is one of those that I wouldn't be surprised to see some other company scoop up. Yeah. It also um, integrates with Evernote which I haven't used that Evernote integration a whole lot. It's something that I need to investigate more, but it's supposedly because Evernote also has location-based notes. Um, Mind will let you know and will look for associated notes in your Evernote account about something, which is kind of cool and kind of freaky. Yeah. It's, it's, if you haven't tried it out, it's free. So go check it out. I guess it's one of these companies trying to build up a big user base and cash it in, right? Yeah. Which is a little concerning, right? <laughs> but know, hey, if they can get they like nineteen billion dollars or something, go for it. Yeah, but they also have a lot of information about you. They know how many miles you drove today and all your details. Uh, but it's uh, it's intriguing nonetheless. That so that's a good application to check out. A lot of my friends that really like Google uh, calendars speak highly of Calendars Five. I bought it and played with it a little bit. I still like Fantastic Cal better, but maybe it's because I'm not a big Google Calendar user. What What does it do that's special or different? I don't know. I okay. don't know. Very I'm helpful. just throwing it out there. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about, um, so now we've kind of talked about, <laughs> in the hour that we've been talking, we've talked about all the different calendar applications that are out there and, and what we use. I want to talk more about sharing calendars and kind of best practices and and problems and tips and things like that. Um, Before we do, I I do want to take a quick moment and thank our exclusive sponsor for this episode. And again, that is our good friends at Smile. This episode is exclusively sponsored by the PDF Pen family of applications. And uh, since we're recording the show a little before it it releases, this may be old news for you by now. But uh, I got an update of PDF Pen for uh, iPad and iPhone on my my phone and my iPad today. And it has been iOS 7-ified. Looks good. I don't know if you've had it. It does, doesn't it? I don't know if you've had a chance to take out the check out the latest update. No, no, I've been in on it. It looks great. Yeah. Um, So David talked about all the wonderful things that PDF for uh, PDF Pen for Mac can do, Um, but wouldn't it be nice to have some of that functionality 
in your pocket. So if you want to be able to read PDFs, if you want to be able to annotate them, if you want to be able to make edits, if you want to be able to um, sign them and send them back to people, if you want to be able to highlight, um, reading PDFs on the iPad is great. I know you do it quite a bit, David, and highlight things with your um, your stylus. Uh, PDF pen for iPad or iPhone, depending on the use case that you need, uh, is a great app to use. And I can't tell you how many times I have had a situation where uh, something has come in to me uh, via email and I have not been sitting at my desk, but I need to respond to it. I need to sign it. I need to get it back out. And we do electronic filing here, Uh, but it really can be for any type of PDF that you need. And as long as I've got my iPhone in my pocket, which is just about all the time, um, I can take care of that PDF right on my phone. I can open it up. I can add text to it. Um, I can fill in the blanks. In fact, I did this while I was getting a haircut last uh, last week. I can sign my name, and then I can email that PDF back out to where it needs to be, and boom, I'm done. I don't even need to have access to a computer to do this. And so you can do all of these annotations and more with PDF Pen for iPhone and iPad. It will sync via iCloud. It will sync via Dropbox and all the cloud services you can share out to Evernote and Google Docs anymore. But there's more. Uh, Smile has also introduced PDF Pen Scan Plus, which is a separate application that will allow you to create PDFs from your iPhone. So if you are out and about and you find yourself in a situation where you need to create a PDF, maybe you need to take a snapshot of a receipt, or um, maybe you've got a piece of paper that you need to turn into a PDF and send off to somebody, PDF Pen uh, Scan Plus for iPhone or iPad, it works on the iPad too, it's a hybrid application, allows you to use the camera in your iPhone or your iPad, and these are such high-quality camera now that you get really good scans. Uh, It will allow you to take a picture of whatever document you're trying to scan in. It has some magic special sauce in it that will allow you to rejigger it so that you get a nice, clean, crisp image scan. Um, And then here's where the super special stuff that I haven't seen anybody else do quite like Smile is it will allow you to OCR that document. And I know, David, you talked about how important OCR is, where sometimes you send off documents so Hazel can OCR them with PDF Pen on your Mac, but you really don't have to. You can OCR them with PDF Pen Scan Plus right on your iPhone, um, sync them up to whatever cloud solution you want, and then have Hazel knock off all your rules if you want to um, and go from there. Or you can just pull the text out from an OCR document that you've taken a picture of with your iPhone and do something that you want to manipulate the text. So you could take a picture of a piece of paper that has a bunch of text on it and PDF Pen Scan Plus would send you back all that text if you just wanted the text on that. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, no, it's nice. feels like living in the future. Definitely living in the future. Um, So you can find more information about all these wonderful products. Head over to Smile's website at smilesoftware.com. You can pick up PDF Pen for iPhone for $4.99, for iPad for $14.99, and PDF Pen Scan Plus is only $4.99. So you can uh, have the whole PDF Pen family. And they all sync up and they all work together with each other, whether they're on your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad. It's just a great suite of productivity products. And uh, I, I use them every day across multiple devices and uh, would not be nearly as productive as I am without them. So thank you, Smile, for your continued support of Mac Power users. Can I talk about some calendar power tips? Yes, please. All right. So well, can, I, can, made... I, can I ask you first to... Um, which may make your power tips go a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about um, 
what calendars you have? Because I think you have a lot more calendars than I do. You, you... I, I don't have as many as I've had in the past. Okay. Um, but I do have quite a few. So I have my personal calendar. Okay. And, and I have the Mac Power Users calendar, which is hosted graciously by Katie Floyd. Yes. Um, we have a home calendar, which is kind of a family calendar. It's a shared calendar for everyone in the house. And sometimes there are events that's just a family event and we put it on the home calendar. Um, I have a routine calendar, which I made reference to earlier. And that one has things on it like, I mean, and as goofy as this sounds, you know, drive home, drive to work. Um, yeah, th there's certain things that are part of my routine. I don't really think of them as personal events. I think of them as routine events. There's a lot of repeating events in there. And um, I read a long time ago, somebody was talking about productivity. I think this like this goes back like to the Franklin Covey days. And the advice was write down all of the stuff you're going to do that is not going to allow you to be working. So if it's driving to an appointment or taking an hour for a lunch or driving to work or whatever it is, put that on your calendar. So at the end of the day, you see where your blocks of time actually exist. So like tomorrow you have a court appearance at three o'clock and that's your first appointment. I've got many appointments before I hit three o'clock and, and that's just kind of the way I've, kind of turn to working and with the ability to create re repeating calendars, it's really not that much of an intrusion for me to have these multiple events a day, but it is a really great way for me to keep track of when I can actually get work done. And I don't, I think people listening to this think I'm crazy, but a few of you may get it. <laughs> it does help me. So, well, I think it is as long as you really do have that strict regimented schedule. I mean, if your if your calendar every day said, you're going to drive home from, you know, five to six and 90% of the time you don't leave the office until six o'clock. That would drive me absolutely bananas. Okay. So like for me, I go to work very early and then I, I have this thing. I want to be home to eat dinner with my kids. You know, I don't want to be one of these dads who's never around. So I leave pretty early too. And uh, as a result, I have an appointment to drive home and I actually have an alarm set around that because you know what it's like when you're, you're trying to earn a living is you get absorbed into a project and you look up and it's 7 p.m. and you've missed dinner and you've missed the ability to play King of Tokyo with your daughter or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, so I, uh, I have an alarm that reminds me to go home. And so if I'm going to miss that five o'clock, you know, ideally I try and get out of there at five o'clock. If I'm going to miss that, that target, then I'm going to consciously miss it because I'm going to get the alarm. I'm going to say, well, today's a day I can't do it. And I'll call home and say, I'm going to be a little late or I'll call Katie and say, I'm going to be late for the podcast. Like what happened today. <laughs> but the, um, so you just I have I, Siri, your personal assistant do it. I have, so I have alarms for reasons like that. I mean, on my routine calendar, as an example, every Friday at four o'clock, I have a, an appointment called audit week, which is kind of my way to close out my work week and see what happened and kind of make plans for the following week. And that's a routine event. So I have all these routine um, items I've built in over the years. Um, most of them relate to the day job, but not all of them. Some of them relate to the weekends and, and other parts of my life as well. Then uh, there's, there's, you know, I have a, my wife and my two daughters and each one of them have their own iCloud calendars and those are all shared with me. Those are usually turned off. But, you know, if I have the ability to, to go in and check them out, I need to. 
Um, and those are view calendars. I don't have the right, the ability to edit them. I just have the ability to see them. <laughs> and then there's the, the holiday calendar, which, you know, is built right into iCloud. So I use the U S holidays calendar. I have the exchange calendar from work and that's it. So, oh, and I also turn on the birthday calendar. That's something we haven't mentioned, but if you put birthday data in your contact lists in, in the, um, in the calendars app, you can go in and th- flip a button and anybody who has a birthday, it's going to show up as an event, an all day event. Do you use that? Yeah, I use that. Um, and there's also an anniversaries calendar and I'm not sure where that's pulling from, but I have that too. I think it's yeah. pulling from the same database. So I don't have, that doesn't sound like that many calendars, does it? Well, it's, it's more than I have. Um, and, and part of that's just because I don't, I don't have the family calendars that you have. I, I have three and they're really segregated amongst, you know, I, I've got three email accounts. I've got three calendars and they're segregated yeah. amongst the three areas of my life. It's it's work, personal and and Mac power users because I have no life. And those are those are the three things that I do. And, <laughs> yeah, um, you and me both, sister. Yeah. And now I have access to um, through exchange. I have access to um, the calendars of the other attorneys in my office. But those are always off unless I need to look, unless I have reason, you know, probably once a week or so, I'll check their schedule and see who's in the office and who's doing what. But unless I have reason to look at their calendar, I'm I'm not regularly pulling up their calendar. And, and they have access to my calendar, too. And um, so I try to schedule things as appropriate on that calendar. Like, but sometimes there's overlap. And so that's a, that's a big question we get from people is how do you deal with overlap? Like this morning, for example, I had, a, I had to go to the dentist. I had a dentist appointment. So I put the dentist appointment on my personal calendar because I consider the dentist a personal appointment. But yet I also had to put the dental appointment on my work calendar because I needed the folks at the office to know that I was probably going to be in the office a little bit later than normal in the morning because I had to go to the dentist. And as a result, I, I couldn't have them schedule any appointments first thing that morning. And I you know, and, and they needed to know that because I have an assistant who schedules things on my calendar for me. So how do you deal with that? Like or do you. you. Do you just deal with having the double appointments? Uh, it just depends. I mean, if it's remotely work related, it goes on the work calendar. If I have, for instance, a medical appointment, um, I will make an event at work that just says out doctor slash doctor because I don't really there's some part of me that just doesn't want to give the details of where I'm going to the doctor or <laughs> I don't, know, I just, you know, I'll have a lot more details on my own personal calendar about a doctor appointment than I'll put on a work calendar or a dentist appointment, something like that. I don't run into that too often. I would imagine you would run into it more in the family context because I know you have a calendar. Daisy has a calendar. Each of your, your daughters has a calendar, but you also have a shared family calendar. So if some of you have appointments that you're going to, but not all of them, all of you, or if the whole family is going somewhere, where does that get scheduled? If everybody's going somewhere, I would imagine it gets sh- scheduled on the shared family calendar. That's, and that's about the extent of that calendar. I mean, but you know, we're an active family. We go and hang out with each other. My, my extended family and I, and my wife's extended family, we all get along together. So we spend a lot of time at family events, but we'll say, you know, John's wedding on Sunday and that'll just go into the family calendar and we'll all be gone all day for that wedding. Um, whereas my daughter may have a school event that she wants me to go with her to, and it's not a family event. It's she wants me to go to school with her for something. 
So she'll create that appointment and invite me and I'll join in and I'll go with her. Make sense? It does. I, and, you know, I'm I'm laughing just because I have tried so much to get my family members to get on a calendar and, and they do keep basic calendars, but to invite me to events, if you want me to show up somewhere, send me an invite and put it on my calendar and I'll be there. We sat down together one night. I mean, I've, my kids must have a twisted view of the world. <laughs> That's all I can say. Cause like we, we have sat down and said, okay guys, this is how we're going to all access, you know, data off the Drobo. You know, this is how everything goes, <laughs> or this is how we're going to deal with calendars in our house, or this is how we're going to do with iTunes match. And we've had a couple of those things and, and they put up with me. That's about the best you can say for it. If you want me to come meet with your teacher, you need to schedule an appointment and send me an iCal invite. Yeah. Or if you want me to go to the movies with you, you know, let's put, they can see my calendar. They know when I'm available and say, Hey dad, let's go to the movies. And I said, great, put it on the calendar and I'll get an invite and I'll go. So it's really not that difficult. And this stuff is not rocket science. Anybody can do it. My 12-year-old started doing it when she was about eight. So I don't think you're going to have a problem if you can just get people on board with it. But So, so that's how we deal with scheduling. Um, there's, there's more to it than that, though. Um, one of the things I do, like I, I often have to schedule multiple people. And, you know, in, in the day job, Quite often, I'll be on something where we'll need to get on the phone with five different people with some kind of problem that needs input from people all over the country. And uh, you can you could you know have someone try and manage that for you, but they really never know how. And then you go this this crazy dance of email. Hey, oh, everybody, let's that. do it next Tuesday at three. And then one person, and then four people say, "Oh, I can do it." Then the fifth person inevitably writes and says, "Well, I can't do it at three, but I can do it that morning at 10. And then the next guy writes and says, "Oh, that doesn't work for me." And every time you get sucked into one of those things, it it, it really just drains the life out of you. And there are, there's this thing called the internet that has tools to solve these problems. And I am a big fan of the doodle service, D O O D L E and uh, go, I think it's doodle.com. I'll have to check it real quick, but you go on doodle and you can say, I want to set a meeting. And as the meeting organizer, you pick dates. Let's say, I'm going to say, I want to do either next Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And then you set blocks of time that you're available to do this meeting. So I'll say, you know, next Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, any morning between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. And and you just put it up there and you say the meeting's going to take an hour. And then you get a link at the end. You can have doodles and the invites for you, but I always just take the link. And then I just email everybody with a text expander snippet, of course, that says, you know, we're going to have a meeting. Go to this website, fill out the times that work for you. And everybody does it. It's not that hard. Once again, this isn't rocket science. They go in, they click the box for this, the individual hours that work for them. And then Doodle tells you, um, or you go check it out as the meeting organizer. And you can see there'll be certain time that is available for everyone. And then you send out an email and say, okay, everybody, we're meeting Thursday at 10 a.m. And I've been doing this for years and it just works. And every time I do it with a bunch of lawyers, they're like amazed. They're like, how did you figure this out? And they, they don't understand why this was so easy. And it's just not that hard, you know, doodle.com. I'm sure there's some competitors for it, but I've been using doodle so long and it just works so well. I'm, I'm just not motivated to try anything else. We have used um, a schedule once I think before in the, yeah, that's, that's one of the, yeah, that's yeah. one of the competitors. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, Doodle for the the basic functionality is free, but I think they want you to sign up for an account to to integrate it with your calendars and things like that. And I just I just use the free one, but yeah, it's great and it's it saves the forty five emails going back and forth. In fact, I've sent emails to people when they start sending around the twenty emails, and I've said just with the link to Doodle, and I said this is a much easier way. Please consider using this to schedule it and. That tends to stop the conversation. I, I've gone even further. I've hijacked meeting schedule, uh, planning with other people's meetings. And as soon as I start getting all those crazy emails, I just I set it up and give the meeting organizer the ad- admin link. <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, so that's really great for scheduling. Uh, some more of my calendar hacks. Here's one that I get from my friend Merlin Mann, who had the idea that when you're setting a meeting – it never makes sense. And you know what? I need to look it up because I know on Back to Work, they've done at least one, maybe two episodes where they talk a lot about calendars. And, and Merlin does have some really great calendar hacks. And one of them that I thought was really good was, you know, when you set a meeting with somebody, you say, hey, it would be really great if we went to lunch together. When are you available? And, and I hate those emails because then you say when you're available, but they're not available. And it goes on and on and on. So whenever I send someone an appoint a request to meet i always give a, at least one probably two or three suggested times hey you and i need to sit down at lunch and go over the new book um i'm available next wednesday thursday or friday between 11 and 1 and usually the person will write back and say hey that's great you know and they'll and you'll get one of those times back from them and you'll have an appointment set and you don't need to do a bunch more email another way to do it if you're feeling, you know, really alpha is you just say, let's meet next Thursday at 1130 at Panera, you know, and, and I do that quite often. And it's amazing to me how often it works. People just write back and say, okay, do you ever do that? Wow. I'm going to start doing it. It works. It works. And, but, but Merlin's trick was when you send that invite out, the problem is you send the invite out and then there's this gray area between the time you send out the invite and the time they agree. And what he does is he puts it as a calendar entry in, but he puts an upside down question mark in front of it, you know, like the uh, Spanish um, question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not that fancy. I just put a regular question mark in front of it. But uh, same effect, you know, put question mark Katie lunch next Thursday at 1130 a.m. And that way the time is kind of saved on your calendar, but you know it's not for certain. And if Katie writes back and say, yeah, let's do it, then you just go in and you edit it and take out the question mark and you're good to go. That makes great sense. trick. Yeah. Great trick. That Merlin man, sometimes he's got a good idea. Um, uh, confirming appointments. Um, you know, sometimes, well, is this one yours, Katie, the confirming appointments? Oh, no, that's mine. No. That's mine. Okay. So, uh, I go through, I have an Omni, cause I wrote Omni outliner. What I meant to say Omni focus is I have an Omni focus entry that hits me every day called review tomorrow. And so every day I, te- I check it off and I look at the next day. And if I've got appointments the next day, I send out an email with the text expander snippet called meeting confirm with no space. And it just says, Katie, you know, it's, it uses fill-ins. So it would say, you know, dear blank, you know, this confirms we're meeting tomorrow at blank time at blank place. The subject of our meeting is blank blank. You know, if you have any problems, let me know. And then I've got some selections there. If you need my phone number, here it is. And so I send that email out usually the day before. And, and so any appointments I have the next day is going to get that email the day before. 
Uh, and the result of that is it reminds them of the meeting in case they might forget, which happens once in a while. It tells them what's on the agenda, if there's something they need to bring. And it kind of just gets the meeting off on the right foot. Well, so, and it, it prevents those ultra last minute cancellations. Yeah. Because people will say, oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then they'll go ahead and cancel now. That's good. So, um, uh, another one, and this is really old school. This goes back to my paper calendars as well, is setting appointments with myself. I do that often. Um, I have a recurring appointment on Sunday afternoon where I kind of review the next, you know, I do that Friday afternoon thing. I also do a Sunday afternoon thing and I set appointments, you know, I think it was Stephen Covey, but I'm not sure who talked about the big rocks versus the little rocks, but there, there's a great analogy that when you're planning things, big rocks first. Yeah. You put the big rocks in first. Cause if you have like a jar, oh boy, if somebody's listening to this, they're probably so tired of hearing this. But I, you, I heard about it in law school. So yeah, you, you have this, the idea is you have all these rocks and you have this really big jar. So how do you put as many rocks as possible into the jar? And you got to start with the big rocks first, because you put the big rocks in first and then the smaller rocks fill in around the bigger rocks. And then the really tiny rocks fall, is filling around the big and the medium rocks. And then all you have left at the end is just kind of sand and gravel that you can pour in on the top. Well, the, the way I kind of think about it is that I have an infinite number of small rocks. I, I could literally spend the entire week dealing with the email that I get from Max Barkey. Yeah. I could just do nothing. I could not go to work. I could not brush my teeth. I could just answer and converse with people email all week. So th I have an infinite number of little rocks, but there are also things I want to do. Like I want to write a book and I want to go to work to my, my day job so I can pay my mortgage. And I, you know, I've got th certain things I need to do. So I have big rock type tasks. And one of my tricks is I set an appointment with myself to do those things. Maybe there's a big brief I need to write, or maybe I need to write a chapter for the next book or whatever. I will block a set of time days in advance to say, you know, on Thursday from, you know, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., I'm going to do nothing but work on this project. And I treat them as if they are appointments with a complete stranger. You know, I'm not going to be a flake and just skip out on myself. And so I make these appointments. And if, if for some reason something comes up, I think I did talk about this on our prior calendar show. But it doesn't hurt to say it again. If something comes up and suddenly I, I am unable to fulfill that commitment to myself, I don't just ignore it. I reschedule it because that big rock still needs to be dealt with. So I do set appointments with myself. Is that is that crazy? No, no, I think it's good planning. I, yeah. I don't do that very often. Um, I should probably do it more often than I do. I do it all the time. I'm looking at my schedule for the next week and I've got these huge blocks of time set aside on various days. And, and those are when I'm going to get something done. If I don't, I will get through the entire week and I will have spent a lot of time with little rocks and I will feel really bad about myself because I won't have got any of the big rocks handled. Uh, another thing I do is I use alarms like a madman. I put yeah. alarms on just about every appointment that goes in my calendar, even those appointments with myself where I'm going to do a big rock project. If I don't put a calendar on, I'll get um, sidetracked with something else and I'll just miss it. And, it, you know, and even if it's with somebody else, I will miss it. So I really need those alarms. Sometimes I put multiple alarms on just to make sure. Like if I have a phone conference, um, when I set the appointment, and it just depends on what the, the purpose of the conference is. It may be one where I just need to prepare five minutes in advance. 
And it may be one where I need to start. I could have a 15 minute conference that takes an hour of preparation because it's a very complicated issue and I need to really have my act together before I get on the phone. So I'll have an alarm go off an hour before, and then I'll have a second alarm go off like two minutes before the actual call takes place because you know, it'll happen. I'll get absorbed in preparation and then I'll miss the appointment. Um, uh, so I, when I set an appointment, I do give thought to how long it'll take. And for instance, if it's one of those where it's going to take an hour to prepare, I may even make a separate event on my calendar to say prepare for call. Yeah. But I think there's also that fine line you have to walk between. And, and for some people, it, for me, a calendar doesn't work as a task management system. And I I agree, but that's not a task management. What I just described. No calendars are no alarms aren't task management. But if you start, if you start just adding things that you need to do to your calendar and yet not paying any and not truly treating them as appointments, now you're starting to treat your calendar as a task management system and and not very effectively, in my opinion. No, I absolutely agree. A hundred percent. I mean, it's not, you shouldn't put tasks in there. I guess you could argue that my, my big rock appointments with myself are in essence putting tasks on my calendar, but what it's really doing is it's putting, setting aside time to deal with tasks. I mean, that task will still be an OmniFocus and it's not, you know, it's not like I'm going to check it off or take it out of OmniFocus because I've got a calendar entry that I've set time aside for it. It's kind of a fine line. And I, and I do think that because every time I start talking about some of my anal retentive workflows, I get the emails from people asking me to get help. But I, I really think that having kind of a thorough idea of how to use calendars to help you stay ahead can make a difference. And I know, for instance, a couple times I've got on the telephone with someone and not had the answers at the tip of my tongue and not been ready to deal with that call in the way that I should be able to. And I hang up thinking that I blew it. And it was out of that experience that I started getting serious about alarms and preparation. And it was out of being late for something that made me decide I'm going to calendar time to get to things in the future. So I guess to each his own would be what I'm, I'm saying. But if you want to use these calendars, they can help you get over a lot of problems that that you can't deal with just inherently. I mean, you, no matter how bright you are, you can't inherently keep up with your appointments without having the robots help you a little bit. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know how people did it like 10 or 15 years ago when they didn't have a device that could give them alarms. And speaking of alarms, that must be our cue because we've been going for right on about an hour and a half now. Yeah. Did you set a timer? Did you set a timer? Did you, did you hear it just go off? It yeah, was OmniFocus telling me I missed something that was due today. Whoops. Uh, so, well, um, I think that probably about wraps up calendars. Anything else we need to to cover? Or? So, so much for a combined show. Yeah. No, I'm glad we did it in two because I, I felt. I felt like I saved some of my best stuff on this show for the end. Yeah. If, if they left, you know, if if, they, if you left right after we got done talking about iOS, you blew it, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, you can find links to all the great things we talked about in this episode on our website at MacPowerUsers.com, where you can also search our show notes. Did you know you can search our show notes from our website? Isn't that great? Yeah. As well as find links to all of our previous episodes, or you can also find us on the 5x5 site at 5x5.tv slash MPU. 
You can also find us on Twitter. We're at Mac Power Users. Katie's at uh, Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. Yep, and you can send us feedback to the show. Uh, send us an email to feedback at macpowerusers.com. That will go to both David and I. Uh, and if you want to send us your submissions in for our next MPU live show, which is going to be the first Saturday in April, uh, send those along, feedback at macpowerusers.com. And if you want to submit an audio comment, uh, send it. keep it short, keep it brief, keep it, uh, keep it clean, and uh, send that along too. And, and we'll try to answer those as, as part of the feedback show. I love, I love listening to those comments, Katie. Don't you? I do. I do. Like it makes it real because we're on the mics, you know, it's just you and me talking sometimes a guest, but you forget that people are actually out there listening. When you hear their voices, it just makes it real for me. Yeah. And, um, I think thanks so much to our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Smile and the PDF Pen family of applications, PDF Pen for Mac, for iPad, for iPhone, and PDF Pen Scan Plus. And uh, with that, we are out of here, and we will see you all next time.